Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the WRSU Crew. It's the Monday edition of the crew. Chris Akonis here with Dennis Geisler and... Filling in for the indispensable Raj Shah, it is the Robert Baxter. How are we doing, gentlemen? Okay. I'm doing great. Uh, I, am, I am the least bit surprised that Raj Shah is not here right now. <laughs> uh, Raj is a very busy human being. Absolutely love him. But, yeah, I if you would have asked me, I wasn't told who wasn't here Uh who I was filling in for, um, but I would have assumed Raj Shah was was that person or Brant Wolf. Well, either de- one. well, I can't defend Brant, but to defend Raj, <laughs> he is you know six year pharmacy student. He is currently going through his uh, clinicals. It's six already. Oof. He was here when Kyle Flood was the head coach. That's how long Raj has been a <laughs> member of WRSU sports and a student at Rutgers. He was here the year before Chris Ash, and he'll be here the year after Chris Ash. So poor Raj, man. I so now that I'm out of college, I don't know how people can do it longer than that. Like it's it's absolutely crazy. The people who are there for I was I was in a class and somebody had been there for eight years. At that point, just move on with your life, man. Listen, I am not going to allow anyone on these airwaves to discourage others from pursuing their dreams. Well, also, he was working at a bachelor's degree, and it took him eight years. Not a great student. Um, it was actually one of my roommates, so I could make fun of him. But, yeah, he, he was on year eight of his bachelor's degree, which is supposed to be four years. All right, all right. I've had enough of you. Let's get back to sports. <laughs> Um, big news today out of uh, Rutgers football. We're now five days away from the first game of the second Greg Schiano era. And the depth chart was released today. We're going to have Richie Schneiderite from the night report on at 7 to break that down. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Um, busy show today. Very busy show today, as it should be on the Monday of a game week. But with that being said... We've got a quarterback controversy here, guys. We don't know if it's going to be done. Art Sitkowski or, and the or was in all caps on the depth chart this morning, or Noah Vedral. We still don't I know. I think it's going to be Noah. I think it's going to be Noah. You think it's going to be Noah? I think it's going to be Art. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why. I just have this gut feeling that it's going to be him. Uh, I don't think that you put him in the or category if you are 100% sure in who who's going to be your quarterback. And what what school did he come from? Um, Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, yeah, it, you, you don't sign him just to bench him. Um, you, don't, you don't bring him over. Him rocking the number zero is a huge question mark in my book, but that's neither here nor there. I'm picking with Vedral. Um, Although I do think Sikowski gets a couple minutes in the game, uh, I think that 
listen, I was texting with, with Corey, Steven, Justin, and Jake yesterday, uh, and I was saying one win this season would make me happy, but knowing that there is an improvement on last season would mean the world. Like, even if we don't get a win, which I'm expecting one one win, which I think is most people's ceilings. Um, but I think this whole season is just going to be feeling out process with everybody. Um, and hopefully Sikowski really comes into his own. But I think Vedral gets the start. Yeah, I, here's here's my thing. I, I think I don't think there's a sharp gap between the two. I mean, if there were, we wouldn't not know who the starter is going to be. But here's the reason why I tend to lean towards Art Sikowski over Noah Vedral in terms of what I think Greg Shiano is going to do. Most of the wide receivers on this roster, with the exception of Aaron Kukshank, who is going to be a very big impact transfer for the Scarlet Knights, in my view, um, it's largely guys that were here last year. And Art Sikowski has built chemistry with them. He has some experience working with them. He did look to have markedly improved as much as you could, given the talent he was working with last year. Um, He looked to be markedly improved over his freshman campaign, where he did not look good at all. Um, So he looks to be on the upswing. He looks like he has all the tools to be a starting quarterback in the Big Ten. But the big thing now is uh, how much does Shiano value chemistry over, you know, a lot of people say that Vedral is a better fit for what the offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, wants to do with this Rutgers team. So I think that the experience, given the short offseason, the we- I shouldn't say short offseason, it's actually been pretty long, but the unusual <laughs> offseason uh, that we've had for Rutgers, um, I think that experience and consistency is going to be pretty valuable in the Big Ten this year. So I think at least for week one, it's going to be Art Sikowski taking the bulk of the snaps. So. Yeah, I think I agree, honestly. And I guess the other reason is that we might have Art Zikowski around for another year. And as he said, Baxter, I think that this year, I'm not expecting a whole lot. I just want some improvement, hopefully a win, uh, just trying to make sure this program is getting to a better place with Shiano in charge. And... I don't know. I think if Sikowski, because Sikowski can still play next year. If we bring him back next year, he gets more reps this year. He gets more confident with Shiano's system. I feel like that could be the angle that they would go for uh, in starting Sikowski. I could see it going either way, but I don't know. I think I see the reasoning behind Sikowski a little bit better for, for me at least. I um so I actually noticed one thing that was it it was kind of interesting um on the depth chart uh Isaiah Washington wasn't listed as a starting wide receiver I don't know why that caught me a little off guard when I saw that um I know he didn't have an amazing year last year but that was one of the names that he was listed below uh Shamin Jones uh and it it just I don't know why that was that name specifically. Like I was reading down the whole list. It's like, huh, why is he not starting? Um, but I'm sure he'll get cycled in through the games. Did you guys see anything else that interested you on the uh, depth chart? I, I guess for me, it was that was really the big thing 
Um, yeah. I, I was a bit surprised. There were some transfers like Peyton Powell, Ireland Burke on the defensive side of the ball who weren't on the depth chart at all. My guess is, and this is just speculation unless it's been confirmed somewhere, my speculation is that either they're still going through the waiver process for transfers to play, because uh, normally you have to sit out a year, but nothing's normal in 2020. Um, and I think that they're still, my guess is they're still trying to work that out, or they were already ruled ineligible, or honestly, who the heck knows. But um, that was sort of the big surprise to me. Um, we also have a kicking competition, which completely That's came out of that. Oh, yes. Yeah. We've got yeah. the incumbent <laughs> Justin Davidovitz and the Guy Fava. Guy Fava. I didn't. So I am the biggest fan of our specialists. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of our special teams. Also, not listed, the holder. We got to know We gotta know who is replacing the one, the only Cole Murphy. Um, but, yeah, the kicker, Davidovitz against Fava, like that is – I love that it was listed as or because that is – that's going to be the storyline for me in the early going of the season – um, just because I think Davidovitz is a good kicker, but last season he looked bad. Um, and right now he has a fire under his butt. That is guy Fava, um, who I believe last year I called on, on sideline. I believe I called him Farva as in Farva bean. Um, but half yeah, Fava, half is... Farv. <laughs> guy, guy Farva quarterback. Bean. Yeah. All, all, all right, here's what we know about Guy Fava. Uh, he did play a little bit in the last four games of the season. Um, I remember seeing him. 11 kickoffs, a pair of touchbacks. Um, I think he was mainly on kickoff duty. Um, that seems to be the stats that we have here. Um, yeah, yeah, it was mainly just kickoffs. Uh, didn't take any uh, field goals. My guess is maybe that's why it was an or. I don't know if it's a legitimate competition or they're just going to have Fava handle the kickoffs and... Davidovitz handled the field goals. It's interesting. I I will say this, though. Uh, there is another kicker on the roster besides those two. His name is Valentino Ambrosio. He was a starting striker no. on the men's soccer team. He, Boo. No, whoa, whoa, we are not booing the men's soccer team. Boo. No, absolutely not. I'm going to turn off your say opal. Say it right. All right, we turned off his opal. <laughs> We're putting him in a timeout because he was being very mean to the Rutgers men's soccer team. His name is Valentino Ambrosio. Uh, he switched from soccer to football. He's got some decent leg strength. He's posted some kicks on his Instagram, and he looks like he has the distance to make it as a Big Ten kicker. He is a junior, and um, I, I, he's not on the depth chart right now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him in action at some point. All right, let's see if Baxter has uh, regained mm-hmm. control of himself. Baxter, Ooh, you there? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I started booing again. That was very um, rude. No, I I think so. That's one of those uh, positions that soccer players, rugby players, they really do well at. Um, it is that leg strength. It is I as much as I am not a soccer fan. Um, I think that they translate very well to American football. Um, I. I am very interested in that. If he can be an added lineup to my favorite unit, um, which has since gotten one person smaller, 
uh, in Cole Murphy. But yeah, that that special teams always great. Do you think? I mean, that's why you always so, got um. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to add that that's why you've always got like Aussie kickers and punters. Like they don't actually have to know that much about football. They just have to be good at kicking. Whoa, 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 and... whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now you're going to disparage Adam Corsak's football IQ? Come uh, on. I didn't was... say anything about <laughs> Adam Corsak. I said that. he didn't need to know about football, but obviously Adam Corsak knows everything that he could yeah. ever. That was my absolute favorite thing that I joked with Cole Murphy about when he was on uh, the crew last year was Cole was, I guess, trying to figure out who's going to be the holder next year. And I think he went up to <laughs> to uh, Adam Korzak and Korzak just said no. And I jokingly was just like, he does one thing good. Don't ask him to do more than one thing. Like he, He's an amazing <laughs> kicker. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I, I think – also, another thing that I wanted to get last year was that the whole special teams. I wanted Davidovitz, I wanted Korzak, and I wanted Cole Murphy. Um, and since two were active players, it was tough to get that. But the, the question that I was going to pose to you, do you think that we'll actually see some trickery? Um, because we didn't really get any underneath Chris Ash. You think underneath Shiano, we might get a little bit of trick plays, a little bit of trick special teams, Korzak throwing a dime? Um, I don't know about trickery or trickeration or whichever adjective you wish to use. Um, I will say this, though. Greg Shiano, one of the trademarks of his teams at Rutgers the first go-around was making plays on special teams, meaning block kicks, meaning, you know, kickoff returns. He had a couple of really good... Returners, Janari and Grant among them. Um, I'm blanking on a couple of the other names, but they've had some good returners over the years. And Aaron Cruikshank, uh, the Wisconsin transfer, who we haven't really talked about so far, he's a guy that can really... Super. What? I'm super interested in that kid. No, Super yes. interested. <laughs> did, you, did you watch the Rose Bowl where he had that kickoff return? I mean, that kid can find... What, what was it? Mar... I forget who was commentating, but they said Marshawn Lynch split the Red Sea. That is Crookshank. Like, he just finds gaps, and it's crazy to watch him play. He's not a big like, guy. He he's just, like 5'9", 165, I believe he's listed at. I don't have the chart in front of me. 5'10", 160. Yes, 5'10", 160. I, so I he's not the, the biggest receiver, but he makes up for that, more than makes up for that with his speed. He was primarily a kickoff returner um, with the Badgers, but... He's listed as a wide receiver number one option along with Bo Melton on the depth chart. So it's going to be interesting to see well, how much he's used just as a receiver. And, and Greg Shaw mentioned it in the press conference, which we'll have for you in about 12 minutes or so. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of plays out. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch him. I think he's one of, if not the most dynamic playmakers on the Scarlet Knights offense right now. Um, he's definitely the most intriguing transfer that they have that's on the depth chart right now, in my view. Um, so I, I'm really interested in seeing what this kid can do. I don't know. What do you guys think think about this? Well, I, I just want to speak about his, his height and his weight. Um, having played uh, high school athletics and been on a scorecard or whatever you want uh, with your height and weight, you always add a couple more pounds and add a couple more inches. So he is probably on the sheet. It says 5'10", 160. 
it's not like wrestling where you have to be that weight. Um, I would be wagering to bet he's probably 5'8 and about 150. If I but was, why would they change the numbers uh, like that? If I was that? a betting man. Why do they change the numbers like because that? Because it makes you sound more intimidating <laughs> than, than I, a 5'8 person. I don't follow. I, I don't. I, I, I I'm guess taller I'm, than he is. I'm not. Yeah, he... <laughs> I, I would be, I would be willing to bet. Yeah, but all right, Chris, you are going on a date, and you. Well, you now just we've sort of person. veered off what, on what's plausible. What height would you say? <laughs> what what height are you actually? I am five seven. All right, you're five seven. Would you round up there? Round up would to what? Like, hey, round up to I'm what? Five nine. Five eight. I'm five nine. Would that really make five, me a nine, more appealing five, candidate? Eight. Hey, it's closer to six feet. I, I five guess. nine. I I'm, really don't I'm think. Five, I'm five. I'm five ten. I'm six foot. <laughs> Congratulations! It. It's much easier. You're mu- you're much, much more appealing than I am. Up. What can I say? Jake Ostrov says that he's six five, which is a complete lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already. <laughs> I'm already. You can call me dad. Um. <laughs> Uh, is that hockey you still around? Call me Dan. Call you Dad. It's okay. Okay, Dad. Yeah, not Dad, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. It's great having you here, Baxter. It's really great. <laughs> I, I was sitting. Uh, that that was, I believe, the Liberty game because it was, my I remember it. I um I was up in the booth and. Like I was about, I picked up a headset because Justin, I believe, was in the bathroom at the time. Um, so I pick up a headset, put the headset on. And that was what I heard was, was, uh, Jake Schmid interrogating Justin Santoop's dad, Dan Santoop. Um, and (laughs) that was what I heard was you can call me Dan. All right, dad. And instantly I threw off my headphones and I was belly laughing because Jake Schmid is one of the most awkward human beings in the most lovable way. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> I love Jake Schmidt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are your guys, back to Rutgers, what are your guys' ceilings for this Rutgers football team? What would you be happy writing home about and be like, hey, this, this whole season wasn't a loss? For me, it's be more competitive. Um, you know, don't lose every game by 35, 40 points, which I don't think will be an issue with Rutgers this year. I think they will be a lot more competitive with Greg Shano under the helm. And also, win a, win a Big Ten game or two. It's going to be harder to get wins. Like, the win-loss record isn't going to be as uh, easy on the eyes as it would have been in a normal year because, I mean, we would have started the season with Monmouth, Temple, and Syracuse, and there's a really good case to make that we could have started winning two of our first three under the old schedule. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. Uh, I think there are four really winnable games. Let's assume that every single one gets played as scheduled, and finger, fingers crossed that's the case. Right now, you are looking at four winnable games. It is Michigan State this Saturday. It is Illinois on the second weekend in November. It is Maryland in early December. And then on the 19th, when we face off in the East-West uh, Champions Week, is what they're calling it, if we're playing, say, the sixth or seventh seed out in the West, say Northwestern maybe, or whoever ends up in that spot, that is a winnable game. That is designed to be a winnable game. 
So I think that Rutgers has three or four winnable games on their schedule. If they win two of those four, I think that's a win. I think you, you go two and seven in year one. It's not great, but no one is expecting great. They're expecting improvement. And Greg Schiano is building the foundation on the recruiting trail. And if you can take what is, you know, largely a Chris Ash roster with some freshmen and some impact transfers, you can win a couple Big Ten games. I think that's more than what you need to keep that momentum going on the recruiting trail and build momentum towards the future when you get a very talented 2021 class in and the current young guys sort of season a bit and mature a bit. And you could be setting yourself up for a pretty good 2021. Um, so I actually, I want to disagree with you as to two of those games. Um, Michigan state still a best of the rest team. They were a ranked team. What was it? Only two years ago, three years ago. They have a first year head coach. Um, they have a bit of turnover on their roster. Um, ESPN gives us a, ESPN gives us a 40% chance to win that game. Yeah, I, I don't think that that is well, – them giving us a 40% chance is a lot more than I think it actually is. I give us a 25% chance of winning that game. Um, I'm going and to say Maryland. that I think the, I think Maryland – Oh, I just wanted to say I think the 40% chance is probably more based on the fact that we haven't seen either of these teams yet this year combined with the weird variability of how short training camp was and all of that rather than what they actually interpret out of the two teams. That's my guess at least. See, I actually think Rutgers had, compared to other college teams, Rutgers seemed to have actually a pretty long training camp. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there was – how long have they been going? They've been going since April? Okay. I think they they came back. No, they, they came back in uh, the second part of June. It was all, but here's the thing: they've been on campus since the latter part of June, but they were in off season workout mode until the end of September. So they really only had like yeah. four weeks at the most to really get ready and um, you know get ready to play a Big Ten schedule. I mean, that's the same for everybody because they were waiting on the rapid tests to start uh, playing because that was considered by university leadership across the Big Ten as the key to playing safely in 2020. So um, I think that that's largely where we're headed. Um, they really only had a few weeks to do that. So with that being said, you know, it's going to be a bit sloppy, I think, in the first couple weeks, but that's going to be the same across the board. That's not exclusively a Rutgers problem. So it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that. Um, and... I will disagree with you on um, what's it called on Maryland. That's the only other one that I will say. I like Maryland a lot. I think that they have historically had our number as of late. Um, and everyone's had Rutgers number as better. of late. Well, I there's no, certain no, no. teams that really, really beat us, and Maryland has always been good against us. I, I was going to say, we've won a few games over the last couple of years. Not everyone. But it's a new day. It's a new yeah. day in Rutgers football. But, yeah, those I, I do think that that Champions Week, because we will be not fed a lower team, but we will – it's not like they're going to move us up against, like, Michigan. Like, it, they still have to sell tickets 
um, you're going up against a lower tier team. Well, they're actually not uh, selling so, tickets. There's a pandemic going well, on. Well, I mean, they're they're getting views. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Although, but, if if, yeah, if think, look, if Rutgers gets matched up against Michigan, that means that they've drastically overperformed what people expected them. Yeah. So, which would be great, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> I I would be happy with one win, one Big Ten win. That that's a win for me, and let's hope it's somebody who's who's good. Like, I I hope that Rutgers disappoints in Ohio State. I I want that that craziness of college football to happen at the banks of the Raritan. Like that would be that is the goal of Greg Schiano, and that's the goal of Rutgers football as it should be. And with that, I'm we're just, gonna. Oh no, go ahead, Dennis. Uh, no, go ahead. No, no, I was going to go to break, but if you have a final point, oh, I want to get in. I was just going to say, I'll, I'll wait until next year for that. This year, whatever. Improvement, just improve. Next year is where I have higher expectations, and I hope we can start beating better teams. And with that, we will step aside. Greg Shiano's weekly press conference coming up on the other side of this break. You are listening to the WRSU crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me Right now, we're going to give you the full press conference that Greg Shano had earlier today with the media ahead of this weekend's game against Michigan State. Well, good morning, guys. Um... Must be game week. They actually got me out of my office, which um, I was kind of getting used to that, Sarge. Kind of like your closet over there. You know, I, that's a, real comfortable at my chair. But back in the team room, so it feels official. Um, wish you guys could be here. But as we know, we're going we're gonna to make do with what we have. So um, just a couple things. Uh, number one, uh, I want to congratulate two people that are uh, really important to me and close to me, Bob Mulcahy and C. Vivian Stringer both inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame last night, which was uh, really, really cool, uh, very worthy, both of them, and, uh, you know, I've had such impact on Rutgers. Bob was a great partner here as, our, as my athletic director uh, for a lot of years and uh, helped us build this program. And C. Vivian Stringer, obviously her record speaks for itself, but uh, an icon in, in sports, period. Forget woman, just women's college basketball alone, but uh, in sports overall. So really a, a tremendous congratulations to them. Um, we got a game to play, right? Michigan State, here we go. You guys got the uh, depth chart. Just a couple things. Um, my use of or, you know, is for several reasons. Um, it could be injury. It could be competitive. It could be not certain. Uh, I won't go into in depth what the oars are. Uh, they are what they are. We'll, we'll find out at game time. Um, but other than that, I'm uh, I'm good to, to answer any questions you might have. We're going to go to Tom Canavan with the first question. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Tom? Good. I guess the, the most basic question is, do you know what to expect from your team? I mean, two wins last year, and I mean... What what should people expect to see? Well, you know, I, I have an idea, but until you go play, you really don't know. A lot of coaches will tell you, you know, they know. I wish I knew the secret. Um, I heard once Bear Bryant, you know, guy said, well, what do you think? He said, you know what? 
stopped trying to figure that out a long time ago. So if if Bear couldn't figure out it, probably Greg can't figure it out. So we're gonna we're all gonna find out, right? We got a game here, and we have our countdown countdown clock going, and uh, it's coming. And as I keep telling the team, whether you're ready or not, we're gonna kick the ball off at noon, and uh, you know we need to be ready. So they're doing a really good job. They've they've worked really hard in their preparation, and uh, as we get into game week now, I mean this is it. This is this is why you coach. This is why you play. So uh, I think there's an excitement level. Uh, you know, you, you could tell when the excitement level when we got back to work took a big jump, and you can tell today the excitement level in the building is at a different level. Bobby Darren. Hey, Coach, um, can you give an update on the on the quarterbacks? I know it's at war on there, but how has it been the competition-wise and, and just an update from last week? Sure, Bobby. Um, First off, I thought all the quarterbacks, this is a really a really good group. I mean, they're together. Uh, they help each other. They're competing, um, but really a, a tremendous group of guys. And led by Coach Gleason, you know, he's not only coordinating the offense, but he's coaching the quarterbacks. And I think doing a, doing a tremendous job. Um, but when you look at really, you know, there's a reason that it's, it's Art and Noah as the oar because they've kind of established themselves as, as the top two. But it's not a huge drop-off. Uh, I really thought Cole did a, a very good job. I mean, I thought he was uh, – he is. He's a good quarterback. And, um, you know, when you look at Evan, a young guy, but I think Evan's going to be uh, – is going to be a real good player as well. So I'm, 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 I'm encouraged by what we saw. Um, and the two guys that are, that are on the chart as an oar – uh, they're both really, really good quarterbacks, in my opinion. The job they've done in their preparation has been very good. Chris Eisman. Hey, Greg. Hey, Chris. Uh, how you doing? Uh, good. How are you? Just uh, with Aaron Krukshank, I mean, obviously we all know about his speed. I mean, what are you looking forward to what he can bring to your offense and, and what have you seen so far? Well, you know, he is very fast. That's documented. But Aaron is a, is a special guy like just the energy he brings to practice every day he 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 raises the level of everyone around him he loves the game of football he competes his rear end off and uh he he's been a very big addition uh to the program we're very excited about the fact that uh that we were able to get him and uh i think i think not only in the offense but in the return game i think he could be be someone special has been gonna go to key sergeant next Hey, Greg, I hey, want to ask you about your roster makeup. Um, I noticed that you have the highest percentage of, of uh, Jersey players on the roster from uh, Jersey high schools uh, since early in the first tenure. Um, I know your recruiting base has expanded a bit, but just as a general recruiting focus, is New Jersey still like the focus? And I guess the second part of that question would be, considering about 45 of your Jersey guys are believed to be walk-ons, was it an emphasis to hit the Jersey high school is really hard for preferred walk-ons after you first arrived? Great question, Sarge. Um, first off, New Jersey will always be the, the beginning and the end of everything we do, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, it's a great football, high school football state. There's great players. There's tremendous high school football coaching. So you get guys that, uh, that are further along in their development and understand the commitment level of playing big-time college football. Um, we will recruit other places, that's for sure, but this is always where it starts and finish. And as I tell our coaches, uh, let's not be flying over a bunch of kids 
when we leave New Jersey. If we if we go somewhere else to get players, it's because we need to. And there's good football played all around the country, but we happen to be in one of the one of the hotbeds, and we got to treat that uh, with the utmost importance first and foremost. Uh, the good question about the walk-ons. Um, those of you who have followed our program know they're they're a critical part of what we do. Um, I don't know if anybody can. I never did a study on it, but. I don't think anybody can claim, you know, seven of the, we had seven walk-ons that became captains of our football team when I first go around here. Uh, that's, that's a high number. We've had uh, several that have gone on to play in the NFL. When you talk about guys like Brandon Rankart, Gary Brackett, um, uh, Michael Burton, who's actively playing right now for the, uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, who else was Kevin Brock had a really good career. So, that, to me, you know, when you identify guys and then you develop them. Jay Butler, tremendous, you know, our strength and conditioning program, tremendous element to the walk-on program. You see guys develop, the coaching staff, how they develop the players over the years. And a lot of it goes back to the very beginning. I personally watch every, every walk-on that we offer, all right, because when I do that, I know that they can come in here and help our program. And uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't present them to be admitted to school unless I really believe that. Uh, so it's, it's a very big process, and it started up again right away. Um, I, I actually remember the night, as soon as we finished that first wave and we went into the dead period, we went right to walk-ons because we started recruiting those walk-ons right then and there. So uh, I think it's a critical, critical element to our program, and it always will be. Next is Zach from the New York Post. Hey, Greg, how are you? Doing well, Zach. How are you? Good. What, I mean, how could you sum up the last several months? I mean, you, you come back to Rutgers and the virus hits, and then you don't think you're going to have a season, and, and now you're having a season, and now here you are. I mean, it must have just been kind of a roller coaster for you and your players. Well, it, it has been a roller coaster. That's a great, good way to put it, but it's been a roller coaster for all of us, right? I mean, Look what we're doing right now. You guys are sitting at home, and, and I'm standing in a podium with no one but the technical people in front of me. The whole thing's a roller coaster, right? Um, but that's the world we're in right now. So who can, who can really thrive? One of the things we talked about at the very beginning when this, thing, when this thing hit was, you know, it's not good enough to survive. You know, that's what, that's what a lot of people tried to do. You didn't know how long it was going to be. You know, we wanted to thrive throughout this. And we don't know when this, quote-unquote, is going to end. So that was a big part of what, what we've talked to our team about. And I, I believe they have. I believe we've improved. I believe we've learned a lot about ourselves. Um, so it's been very productive. But as it is for everybody, you know, in our country and around the world, it certainly has created a whole different set of challenges than we're accustomed to. Our next question is from James Cratch. Hey, Greg, how are you? Doing well, Cratch. How are you? Excellent. Um, obviously, with, with Purdue, with Jeff Brom testing positive. Someone told you, me. Someone told me that uh, you created a team recently. Is that true? We, yes, we did. We All were right. Fall. All right, man. Congrats. That's good stuff. Um, obviously, uh, I'm sure you saw Jeff Brom tested positive. Purdue. I know they're waiting on a presumption. So this is two parter. One, are you doing anything with the staff to kind of separate yourselves? So if God forbid something happened, you'd have enough experience and, and continuity to have a staff on the field on game day. And two, it got through, you test positive. Fans have asked, who's the acting head coach? Well, let me start with two first. You got any plans on Saturday, Cratch, or what? You, you ready? 
you know, I did win the powder puff game my senior year. Shut out. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we uh, all kidding aside, we have contingencies ready for all of that. Uh, I'm I'm not going to you know go public with that, but certainly, um, fortunately, you know we're in a position where we were we were able to hire not only our, a, a great coaching staff. Rutgers made that uh, possible um, through the resources they provided, but we were also able to hire a support staff behind those guys. So some quality control guys, um, some player development guys. So I think we have some depth in our coaching staff if, God forbid, something like that happened. Um, we have plans for all of it. But certainly, you know, that, that's not how we've practiced everything. So there would be an adjustment for sure. And, you know, um, the good thing for Purdue is if there ever is a good thing in something like that is they have a whole week to prepare. That could happen Friday night, you know, you, or, or Friday afternoon. You find out, you get the results. Um you know, we have daily testing, which is which is a great thing. But daily testing just tells you where you stand on that day. You know, it's it's being careful and doing all the applying and doing all the things that we ask for in our protocols and procedures. And it's not easy. You know, just like everybody else, you get fatigued. You know, uh, I walk out. I just came to here and I'm rushing out and I forgot this. And Gene, my assistant. Coach, your mask. And I run back and get my mask, right? Those things, you just, we have to stay vigilant about all that. And that's what I talk to the team. I talk to the team every single day about COVID-19 and being our number one opponent, because that's facts. If if we, for a minute, let our guard down, uh, it could be a big, big mess. Question is from Justin Walters, Picks 11. Hi, Coach. Two-part question here. I know you've spoken in the past that you plan on wearing a mask on the sideline. Was wondering if your coaching staff will also be adopting that same approach. And then the second half of the question is, does this week feel like an accomplishment with all that you have endured, I guess, once you do reach Saturday? Well, yeah, answer the first part. Everybody will have a mask. Um, our players will have a, a gator that they will have when they're not playing. They're going to have it up. Um the coaches will have masks on the sideline and in the press box. So, yes, we'll, we'll continue, as I've told them, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing because that's one of the – we've learned a lot. I mean, going through this for the last, what it is, four or five months together, forget when they were home alone, but together, what gets us is when you get into an environment that you feel comfortable in. You're around your family. Well, if you haven't been with your family and now all of a sudden you're with your family and you let your guard down, that's where, you, that's where we've had guys get it. We've had people get it when they've left this community. That's where they've, they've contracted the disease and brought it back. So we're very, very aware of that. When you look at a lot of the teams, college and pro alike, that have had outbreaks, they've been road teams, teams that have gone on a trip and come back, and then that following week. So we've studied all that, and we're really, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, I'm a little nervous that we have to start on the road, but we're going to be super vigilant about our travel procedures and, you know, a zillion different things. Will Gilkison, who many of you know, who's a captain of ours here in 05, he's been point person on that with our doctors, and he's done an incredible job down to the way we're seating the airplane, the rooming at the hotel, because those are the things you have to really stay on top of. Um, so uh, is it an accomplishment? I think every day is an accomplishment. You know, when you're dealing with this stuff, there's so much more work to be done by your staff and by your players than there used to be, yet you're still going to play a game that you're held accountable for. So uh, it's a tremendous effort, and I think, as I've told the team, um, they should be proud of what they've done so far. 
It's not a small task. Question is uh, Chris Nowalski. Hey, Coach. Uh, I know there's a bunch of freshmen that are listed on the, on the depth chart. You know, in a year like this with less practice time and everything, you know, what have they done to kind of make that step up already? Well, you know, I've always been this way. I look at it as whoever gives us the best chance to win, they're going to be on the depth chart. So um, if it's a freshman, it's a freshman. And we've just tried to, you know, have as many opportunities for guys to show what they can do. Certainly when you're a freshman, you start in the whatever the lowest team is, fourth team or third team, whatever it was. But when a guy makes plays, then you raise his level. And if he continues to make plays and do his job consistently, then he keeps climbing. And some of those freshmen, you know, it's all a relative experience, right? It's relative to the other guys on the roster. But they're there for a reason. They've earned it. Nobody uh, nobody around here gets any gifts. If you're on the depth chart in a one or two position, you've earned it. And our final question is to Steve Politti. Hey, Greg, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? Good. Good. I've got a big picture question for you. I'm wondering how you feel now about the overall state of your program heading into this season. And do you feel like the ceiling for what you can accomplish is even higher than it was when you the first time around in 2000 you took over? I do. I do feel that the ceiling's higher. Um, I feel good about where we are with the structure of our program. We've had interrupted time to get it implemented. That's the only thing that that uh, gives me pause. But now we've had a stretch, and we'll just continue that. I think when you take over a program, uh, it's it's about installing your culture. And people say, well, go install it. But it's then it's learning to live the culture, right? Anybody can get up in front of a room and give a lecture about this is our culture. But being able to hold each other accountable to that culture over time. And that culture is everything. It's the way we live our life. It's the collective way that we live as a team, as a program. Now, it doesn't mean that you take away individuality. You know, if you look at our guys, they all look different. They're from different areas. They sound different. But... I think there's got to be commonality in your program that's your culture that sets you apart from, say, another program. And time, you try to accelerate it. As a coach, you try to accelerate it as much as you can. But sometimes just living through it is what's going to allow it to become stronger and stronger. And we have a saying around here, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Well, I can tell a guy that over and over again, but sometimes they got to touch the stove to really believe that it's hot, and that takes time. So we're developing our program in every area, whether it be in strength and conditioning, football, academics. Uh, it doesn't matter. All those areas are being developed. Um, and culturally, we're, we're, we like to think that we're vertically aligned and, and all doing it in the same direction. And that's, that's what I feel best about. We have, we have a bunch of young men that have worked incredibly hard. So that's good. You know, when you take over a, pro a program, that's not always the case. Sometimes the work ethic is an issue. I would tell you that that wasn't an issue here that the guys have worked very hard. So now it's time to go put it out against somebody else and, and kind of see where we stand. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys. I will. Uh, I guess we're going to talk again Thursday, and uh, we'll get you some players during the week, and that'll kind of be the flow we get into. And then um, I somebody told me I guess we're not going to see you out there in Michigan, but maybe that'll change before the end of the week. But we'll talk again Thursday. Thanks, guys. That was Greg Schiano speaking to the media earlier today ahead of Rutgers' opening game against Michigan State.
just talk? Can we just talk? Back on the Monday crew, Chris Akonis along with Robert Baxter and Dennis Geisler. Ha ha. Sucks for you, Dennis. I got top billing. Well, Right. That's sad. Uh, that, I'm that was better rude. than you. I, I guess he is on Opal One. I can't argue with that. Well, now he's off the air. So <laughs> I love doing that to people. Um, it is pretty good. All right. I'll put him back on. He's he, he's not a bad guy. All right. He's back on. <laughs> so we're going to spin the wheel. Yeah, this fine. is time for Can We Just Talk? We got 10 minutes before Richie Schneiderite breaks down the Rutgers depth chart with us. Uh, I'm going to spin the wheel and we are going to see who it lands on. <laughs> Tom Baxter, Robert Baxter, you landed on the wheel. Good job. Words cannot put how disappointed I am. Um, oh. Yeah, why did it have to be me, man? Why me? Because something I happened in the hockey world today all, that you wanted to talk about. I asked this to myself all quarantine. Why me? Why me? I still don't know why, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Doc Emmerich. Retiring from NHL, um, yeah, th- this is very, um, I don't know. I really I really don't know what to feel about it. Um, I didn't know that this happened until I got a text from Chris about it. Um, I've been off social media, so I really don't know what's going on. Um, but, yeah, that was, it's a mixed bag. Um, he truly is one of those people like Vin Scully where it is, he has earned the right to retire. Um, he has given us so many moments. Um, he has been a fixture in so many people's lives that it is almost time for him to go. Um, which is, it's very weird to say that, but he has been one of the, if not the hardest working man in all of professional sports for a long time. Um, and he has consistently produced amazing calls for teams that like he can make a fourth liner stepping on the ice seem like Sidney Crosby has the puck in overtime. And I, it, it's simply amazing how good he was and is at his job. I don't like how I'm talking about was. It, I think he still has one more season. I think he's calling it quits after next season. Um, I could be wrong on that. I, I really haven't done much research. I've kind of just been mulling it over. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, man. It's, it's one of those things like, you don't realize how good you have it until it's gone. Um, And Doc Emmerich is somebody that I grew up not liking, but the older I've got, the more I've... How could you not like Doc? Because I grew up with Bob, uh, Jerry, Gary Thorne and Bob Clement. Okay, Um, Gary Thorne, Gary Thorne's really good. I I don't begrudge you that. Yeah, I I really like them. Uh, They were my idea of a hockey announcer. And then Doc Emmerich came in, and then I kind of – I switched to Kenny Albert. Like, I, I've always liked Kenny Albert or the uh, Canadian broadcasters. Um, but slowly and slowly, I, I guess it was 
enough times about hearing how good Doc Emmerich was, it eventually clicked like two or three seasons ago. I was like, man, this guy really is good. Like it, I always thought that he was over, over hyped. I always thought he's on too much stuff. He's almost like a Joe Buck where he's on everything and you're sick and tired of him. And then eventually like, I don't think they'll ever get to this point with Joe Buck because I don't like Joe Buck, but eventually it just broke down as like, wow, this guy really is great at his job and he does everything well. Like I can listen to him commentate somebody making a sandwich and it would be the most enthralling ham sandwich I've ever seen. Like he's that good at his job. Um, and just to make every, he comes into your living room and talks the game to you like that. That's how good he is at what he does. Um, and it's true. Like it's going to be sad not hearing his voice anymore. Um, but I think, uh, the NHL has a lot of good broadcasters. Um, th- there's really too many to name. Um, as long as it's not the guys from Pittsburgh, it's not the guy from the Rangers. You know who I would love to see in that job is uh, is uh, was it Steve Cangelosi? Steve Cangelosi. Can I just yeah, say something? I would love. Devils fans underrated. have been spoiled for the last. 30 years because before yeah. Steve Cangelosi, it was Mike Emmerich before Mike Emmerich. <laughs> it was Gary Thorne going back to like, I think was it was it Gary? Yes. Yeah. I, think, was, I believe it was 87 was. is when he took over as the devil's guy. He was on for a couple and, years. And then, and then we got a couple years at Chico. <laughs> well, Chico, well, Chico was color. Chico was on color yeah. for like yeah. most of that stretch. And he does it on the radio. Those now Chico too. years were very interesting. Yeah. You still hear him on the radio broadcast too. Yeah, um, I like Chico. He, no, Chico's he's just, great. He's a very fascinating human being to have on a call to where he just talks about nonsense. It's like me. It's like I well, I somehow managed to fail upwards into a position like that. Not saying they failed upwards because he's a very – like he's accomplished. Right. But it was weird to hear him on a professional call just be like talking about random stuff. <laughs> But yeah, Devils really have had it good. Um, who are all right? So we've talked a lot about about um, Doc Emmerich. Um, who are some of your guys' favorite commentators? Do you have any? Like, do you have a list? Oh, Sacco's pulling up the notes in his phone. In just in sports in general. Yes, but I, I don't expect Dennis to have a favorite. I would say my two favorite in sports <laughs> in general would probably be uh, Kevin Harlan and Jim Nance. Um, Kevin Harlan is my favorite NBA guy, and Jim Nance is my favorite football and um, I guess you could say college basketball too because he does the Final Four every year for CBS. But um, those two would really be like my top top guys. Dennis, if I did it, I'd be getting into esports, and I know no one wants to hear about that. Oh, I love it when Snoop Dogg commentates. <laughs> He's so good. Does he do that? I have not seen that before. I, I feel like he would be somebody that would pop up at an eSports event. It would be like Didn't a he, he got in a lot of trouble thing. for that. He got, I forget what game, it, it might have been Battlefield or something like that, but Snoop Dogg showed up 
and just in the middle of the stream lit up a joint and he got like oh I yeah that was he got sued I over that, that. <laughs> yeah i think he got sued over that and <laughs> i i forget who it was there was somebody there from rooster teeth which is a online gaming i know what everything site is, baxter um well i need to explain <laughs> to to the listeners um and i think the it was like bernie burns from psycho. there yeah he was he was uh, shut up dennis um <laughs> go, you're not go, much continue. younger um <laughs> but i believe it, he was he was there and he got handed the joint from from uh snoop dog he's like He's like, this could get me in a lot of trouble, but if Snoop Dogg hands you a joint, you gotta smoke it. <laughs> Which I, I always thought was a very funny thing to say. But yeah, uh, Snoop Dogg, great gamer. Um, but who who are esports commentators? Like, are there I any mean, famous they... esports commentators that have two names? Um, I mean they they have two names. Like they're they they have. A first and a last name. Yeah, but they, they go by a gamer by, tag. They usually go by a gamer tag. Yeah, very, very few of them Bingo. are uh, known for first name, last name. But uh, uh, imagine, imagine. Hold on, before we before we go to break, imagine if like Jim Nance came on. He's like, "Hi, my name is Jim Nance. You can call me Hot Laps," and he just goes by Hot <laughs> Laps the whole time. Like that. That's what he's like. That's why I can't take esports commentators seriously. But. With, on that note, uh, we will be stepping aside, joined by Richie uh, Snyderite. Did I get that right? You did get it right. After the break. Um, keep it locked here to WRSU FN New Brunswick or online at WRSU.org. <laughs> 